Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Any Questions? Part 1, Racial Injustice, recorded Sunday, June 25th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Purpose of the series is to answer some of the predominant questions that our culture faces. And I don't know if we, I think that as Christians, you know, we're always dealing with challenging things. And so this is nothing new for us. But, but I want to start with a question that is really in our culture, in our country, I think a very important one. Where does the church, where do we stand in issues pertaining to racial injustice? This past, this past Monday, a holiday popped up on your calendar that quite frankly, I until recently knew nothing about. And uh, it's called Juneteenth. Now, show of hands and be completely honest. How many of you can tell, you could tell everyone here if we asked you to do so, what June, Juneteenth represents? How many? Raise of hands, like three, yeah. That's right, because you know, for, if you're a federal worker, you're like, yeah, you get a day off. <laughs> You know, everyone else is like, why don't we get a day off? You know, and that's about where we go with this holiday, many of us, many of us. And so let me just talk to you about this for a second, because I, I had to look into it. And I, I'm glad I did, by the way. Go back with me to a time and a place that we cannot quite comprehend. Consider what it would be like to live in Texas in the 1800s. Like today, in the 1800s, there was plenty of racial diversity in Texas. I mean, there, there were several American Indian tribes that, that made Texas their home, at least at t- sometime during the season of their, of their movement as tribes, and some of them were placed there. Uh, the Spaniards had arrived in the 15th century in Mexico, and of course in South America and Mexico, and they had spent about two, three centuries trying to colonize Texas and Mexico, and they brought in you know, outposts and, and uh, Catholic missions and things like that. So attracted by the wealth and resources, the vast resources of that, of that territory, uh, people from the northern portions of America came in there to make a fortune, to make a living. So there were a lot of immigrants, a lot of people, that were coming into Texas at this time. As a matter of fact, the the, the name Texas actually means friends or allies, which I didn't know until I researched this. But increasing tensions rose between Texans and Mexico, and the three-year Mexican-American War commenced. Texans fought and won that war in the Texas Revolution, and they claimed to be a sovereign nation, the Republic of Texas. And it wasn't long after that that the United States annexed Texas to make it one of our states. But now it's 1863, and Abraham Lincoln, during the course of a bloody civil war, signs the Emancipation Proclamation. The proclamation changed the legal status of more than three and a half million African-American slaves, including in Texas. So I want you to think about this. It's another hot summer, 
and it's 1865 now, two more years, two and a half years. And you are a slave in Texas. And you have heard nothing about the Emancipation Proclamation because powerful people have kept that information from you to continue to exploit your labor. Now, I want you to imagine you're that person and you've not heard about that. Also, I want you to imagine what it might have been like to be a slave owner have in Texas, having heard maybe two years earlier about the proclamation and then knowing something about the war being fought, but covering that up so that you can keep your employment status with these people in place. Imagine that. Now, I think you know this. I don't think I'm speaking anything that's going to be a revelation to anyone here. But racial injustice, racial hatred, racial division still exists today. You can travel anywhere in the world and find it. You can go to the Ukraine. And a big portion of that conflict has to do with the racial divisions between people in that area. What about in Ethiopia, Afghanistan, Iran, Pakistan, India, Haiti, Myanmar, most of the African continent has, you know, pockets where there's warfare occurring between tribes and people, and, and Islam is coming in there in droves and is taking over tribes and creating division in families. So we know it exists, and, and racism is used to push those buttons. And so we'd have to even say in America, we have our challenges with what we've seen happening over the last several years with, with racial upheaval. I don't think anyone here is living on an island. So how do we change the script? What's going to change that? Is it government, for instance? Uh, there was an article that was written actually about a month ago in the USA to Today that suggests that through research, most Americans believe that if racism is going to change, it'll happen through the church community, the faith community in the country. That that's where the changes will occur. And some of the things that the article points out, there's an increasing skepticism that the government can be the answer in overcoming racism. Half of Americans say that the roles of religious leaders and faith communities is what will make the difference. And then she writes this, Americans see institutions of faith as places where people can become beloved communities. And that highlights Americans' enduring belief that the power of religious and spiritual people and places unite us. My friend, we are the church. And that means that we will always unequivocally stand for freedom. Because freedom is the business of Jesus. And we are in the business of being Jesus. And Jesus' vision is to set people free. Now, there's been some progress made over the last 2,000 years 
since Jesus' manifesto, and he has a manifesto on this, by the way. We're going to read it in a minute. But it's been an agonizingly slow process. It began with Jesus, and the church carried it out as much as possible in the first century, and it's carried on to some level since. Let me read to you what Jesus says in, I would call this God's Emancipation Proclamation to all humanity. This is in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. He went to his hometown, he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. Jesus went to church, that was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he knew the, every word in it. He went to the place he wanted to go to say this. He found the place where it was written, and this is his proclamation to us on this issue of race, racial injustice. Here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. Now, here's the thing. Then Jesus, for three years, went into the oppositional places of freedom. He went into the presence of the people that were being, being destroyed by the, the problems that their culture placed on them. And, and here's the thing, freedom prevails where Jesus is present. Freedom prevails, despite the existence of sin, despite the existence of brokenness and heartache and, and, and hatred. Wherever Jesus goes, freedom shows up. He prevails, and I use that word intentionally. Freedom overcomes, it perseveres, it outlasts all hatred. Prevailing assumes that there's going to be opposition, and there will be, but freedom changes everything. Paul reminds us of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.17, where he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, the Christians that Paul wrote to, the Corinthian Christians, they were struggling with a different kind of oppression. Uh, there were people who were trying to place the Old Testament law of Moses back on top of Christians to control them and to make them something that other than Jesus had recreated them for. So he, the, the, he was just addressing the fact that they're not going to go back into that slavery. But, but there were other condemning voices in their culture. And Jesus stepped in and... and, and and he, and he made a difference. He changed those condemnations in every way. In, in Corinth and in the Roman Empire, for instance, the methods of the enslavers were every bit as brutal as, of that of Texas slave owners, if not more. Uh, there were more slaves in the first century in the Roman Empire than there were freed people. It was a large group of people. And though the message of Jesus was liberating, liberating the, the, the power of Rome was daunting. But Jesus raised in victory over the haters and the killers, 
then came in and freed death from them. He, he flipped the script for people, for all people. Freedom changes everything. And the scripture tells us that we have a common enemy who wants to oppose that at every turn. Because freedom is always opposed by evil. The devil and, and his forces and his anti his anti-efforts to, to remove your freedom from God and from hope and from a, a future that, that means that you'll have life. He's, he's, he's against that. And he uses our hatred, our differences to combat against each other in that regard. Let me go back to the Juneteenth message of freedom for a, for a second. Early on, the, the freed black women and men that that uh, were enslaved in Texas and other places, of course, too, they were deceived all the time. It was one deception after another. Enslavers tried to keep the news from them that there had been an emancipation effort and that a civil war had been fought and won to change that. And factions of government even failed to tell them that that had occurred and to compensate them for the efforts of their work in slavery. Uh, mobs attacked them when they tried to vote after the proclamation was accepted. Freedom is a hard-fought challenge on every turn. In the early Juneteenth celebrations, the Statue of, Limite of, of, of Liberty was the key symbol that was often referred to. A reminder to all Americans and all people that freedom rings. And that there is a nation that believes in freedom and justice for all. And that's this nation, the one we dwell in. And here's something that the Emancipation Proclamation states, the one that Abraham Lincoln signed, all persons held as slaves shall be then thenceforward and forever free. And there's no government that can stand against that. There's no people or persons or groups that should fight against that in our country. No matter what the liars said, though, they were free. And they learned this, the people who were being enslaved by others. Now, I would say this, and maybe you disagree, I don't know, but our situation is different from those in Texas who for two, two and a half years had the news of their liberation repressed and held from them. But if we're honest, we can, we, we can admit that it's hard to see freedom advance at times. It, it seems as though the forces of hatred continue to win skirmishes when it comes to this battle. Do we see freedom? Because there are always going to be people that don't want others to see freedom. And I think there's a lot that goes into that. Maybe, maybe people think, you know, I've got some things that I've earned and I have in my life, and I don't want anyone else to come and take those things from me. I'm going to protect my stuff from others. And the others in our heads go to groups of people who we think want our stuff. And we see people fleeing violence at the southern border, and, and there's all kinds of things that people then start talking about with that, you know, like, well, you know, they should just stay home, or, you know, why are they coming here? And, 
And I, when, when I hear stuff like that, I, I, I don't know, but it, usually it takes me a little bit in the conversation, but I start coming around to this idea. Hey, I think at one point or another, all of our ancestors came here to find that. So what are we doing? Why are we so, you know, why are we using these kinds of tactics to keep people from finding the same thing we long for, you know? Shouldn't we be freedom fighters? I mean, somehow helping with that? Whatever that means? Because there's modern-day enslavers using victims on the border for sex trade and for drug profiteering. Shouldn't we be fighting against that? I think we should. Do we see freedom? Does the church advocate for freedom? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, he says, there is freedom. And shouldn't the Spirit of the Lord be in us, with us, advocating? That's what it means. I mean, why don't we see more freedom? Well, maybe we're not looking, I don't know, but maybe we're being deceived. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe instead of fighting for freedom, we're fighting for ourselves. And so that keeps us afraid and hidden. Jesus was surrounded by powerful men who wanted his influence. They wanted to use him. There were religious leaders who had a way that they did things. They wanted Jesus to step in, get in, in lockstep with them. Uh, there were political people. Uh, there were kings and rulers and, and uh, people like that. There were Romans who were in the area who wanted Jesus to step into march with them, but not Jesus. Je- Jesus had a greater vision than, than any of them. I mean, his vision was to bring emancipation to every human being on earth. Do you, do you get that from him? The zealots, the Jews, the Romans, the Greeks, the Samaritans, the Scythians, the slaves, the... He didn't make, make it him. He, he didn't see that. He saw them. And he came and brought it. This message of hope and freedom that he led the way for were the church. Think about it. With every move Jesus made, he brought freedom to someone else. He took another step forward for us. Like Jesus fought with the devil in the wilderness and freedom took a step forward. Jesus preached to the outlying areas of his country. He went into places like Syria and Samaria and freedom took a step forward. He got roundly criticized for going to those places. His his disciples didn't want to go with him. Jesus raised a little girl to life. And freedom took a step forward. You know why? Because if in their culture, in their day, you might not bother with a little girl. You'd go find a little boy who's dying. That's how people felt, thought then. There was a value thing there. But he took a step forward with us. He taught the Samaritan woman at the well to worship God. And freedom took a step forward. And then she went into her village. She preached the good news in her village. And freedom took a step forward. Now, that was unusual in their day. He restored another woman from a sinful life and silenced the religious leaders with their condemning laws and freedom took a step forward. He washed the disciples' feet and showed them how leaders serve and freedom took a step forward. 
Jesus gave himself over to a bloodthirsty, hateful mob of accusers who, who felt he was a threat, and he willingly, he even willfully died on that cross to take freedom forward. Jesus, the freest human being ever to walk on the face of the earth, gave himself to free us from captivity, our sin taking us to hell. Freedom. We are the church. We are the people of freedom. We stand for freedom. We step forward for freedom. Do you see freedom? Do you see the vision of that? Do you you understand that when we look past racism and racial issues, and we lead people beyond it to Jesus, that we are fighting for the freedom that we say we believe in for ourselves. Where does the church stand? We stand side by side with Jesus. And he stands for freedom. And you know, here's the thing. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that means I look inside myself and I say, Lord, am I stepping with your spirit or am I stepping away from your freedom? Think again of the citizens of Texas who remind us of what it means to be enslaved for over two and a half years and not understand that emancipation had happened. They were technically free, but the news of freedom was withheld from them. And here, church, here's where we need to see ourselves. I think sometimes we can be somewhat like those who withheld the news. Like, we, you know, we just love the fact that we enjoy freedom and that God has done things in our lives to free us from our sin and give us a new hope. And man, we just live in it and we kind of hold on to it. And we don't think about the people out there, outside these doors. And there's so many of them who need freedom. You know, uh, the, the day in the, in the, in the, in the uh, early Juneteenth uh, celebrations, they most often started with a church service. Those who were freed and understood it, they started by praising God, by understanding that God had given them this gift. You know, something that Dr. Martin Luther King said in his last words on earth, here's what he said in 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee, I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I looked it over. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we, as a people, we will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worrying about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming. That's a powerful thing. A pastor who understood that the church is the way and that Jesus is the truth and the life. The way, the truth, and the life, Jesus, his people, the spirit of God moving forward. That's that's the heart of a, a man like that. I want to challenge you with something. Freed people, free How do you see yourself in that? 
that freed people free people. Because look here, I want to, friend, racism is not a race issue. Racism is a sin issue. And please understand that regardless of the minor chromosomal differences that give you some uniqueness as a child of God, and he did make us different, praise God. He knows what he's doing. He gives us differences. But regardless of your family of origin or your national opportunities, if you view any other human as lesser than you, less deserving as you, the issue is not them. The issue is you. Where do we stand? We have an emancipator. The Spirit of God inhabits the church. We are children of God. We are filled with that Spirit. And I don't care what your race is. I don't think when Jesus looks at the faces in this crowd, he sees black, white, you know, whatever you want to put on that. He sees you. He cares about you. He died for you, to emancipate you, to free you. We are the church. We have the Spirit of God. We are in that vision, and we are the ones who take that vision forward. And if I'm going to commune with him today, that means I'm in. And if I'm not in, I should pause until I'm in. Lord, as we go into this moment, it's a powerful moment. It's a moment where we recognize what it cost you for our emancipation. And so, at the same time that we celebrate our freedom, we are remembering a price that was deeply paid by God who looks past all of our sin, all of our hatreds, our brokenness, you see the need to step into our place and free us. And Lord, you weren't just filling a Bible with words when you went to that cross. You were changing the world. And it's a colorblind kingdom. It's a kingdom where freedom reigns. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. On September 11, 2000. You know the story, 2001. Terrorists flew airplanes into buildings in Washington, New York, and there was a plane that was lost in Pennsylvania. And, and at that time, America changed. And America's been changing for hundreds of years, but it changed again. One of the things that happened here is that through the course of our Morning, that experience as a church, we decided to do something that we thought would, would, would be important for our community. It's called the Heartland Celebration of Freedom. And, and, and that's what that event is meant to be. It's to be a celebration. It's a celebration that we hold to a concept that our country stands for. The concept of freedom, of liberty, that we, that we specifically want to honor people who have given sacrifice and brought courage to protect and serve us as we fight for that 
elusive and yet really important concept of freedom. And so you know what the, if you've been around, you know what the event is, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of kids' events that families can come and it's, it's great and there's food and there's fireworks and it's, it's fun. But we also do something else. We, we honor first responders. We present a freedom award to a person that exemplifies the kind of courage that freedom requires. And, and this year's freedom recipients are going to be the Tammy Marcello family as we honor Chris Marcello. Chris was a 23-year veteran of the U.S. Army and uh, went in several different circumstances where his life was in jeopardy. And he was a part of the Alpha Troop and the Cavalry Squadron, and, and, and he was a member of, of the Grand Island Police Force and had a distinguished career and a heroic career with the force. So we're going to honor Chris, and we're going to honor his family. So I hope you'll be here for that. So let's come, let's celebrate, let's, you know, let's introduce our friends and neighbors with a step in with the Heartland Celebration of Freedom so that maybe perchance they will be like many who are here right now. That was their first step in. And they, they figured it out. That, hey, you know what? I think God's for my freedom too. This event can help you with that. Hope you'll come. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.